We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Two pitch, ball line to Yount, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air, Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history! Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center! He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well. And it's gone. Robin. A two-run home run. The Brewers take the lead. Morgan, a smash up the middle. Base hit the center. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. I'm me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Aerostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast. We've reached uh, the offseason for the Brewers. We had our end of playoff wrap-up podcast a couple weeks ago now. Uh, and now we're here to do our first podcast of the offseason. I've been enjoying the playoffs as a neutral, and we'll talk a little bit about that in a moment, too. But this is a Milwaukee Brewers podcast, so I'll save. Uh, uh, I'll save, or I'll start by saying, I miss the Milwaukee Brewers. I miss the Brewers too. Uh, I have yet to take in any of the playoffs. I've had a busy couple of weeks. On that front, you know what? <laughs> For like my sanity and scheduling, the Brewers probably did me and you a great favor. Um, but I would have liked the headaches for you know, trying to work out how we were going to podcast around a Brewers team on a run. Um, hoping, hoping to kind of pick up and see some, some playoff baseball from, from now on. I do have, I like, if we've just said that we're going to, I do have some takes on this and about the discourse about it, which maybe we start there briefly about, about the, which thing, the randomness essentially. And that this whole mm-hmm. thing is broken. I, I really disagree. I just think people need to shut up and get on with the sport. It's it's random, but it's not it's not unexplainable. 
Like, I never feel... We saw, for example, the Diamondbacks up close. Like, they're a good team, and they're doing what we hoped the Brewers could do. And I think that's part of the appeal of baseball, is that if you're at a good enough level, the series are short enough. You never know. You can put your run together, you can come out the other side of it. I, I don't think there needs to be some great big discussion. I understand the particular way it lined up in terms of, you know, the best teams sitting on the sidelines, maybe a little bit cold coming in, then losing. I I don't think it's necessarily just as simple as that. I don't think correlation always equals causation. And in that case, I think it's just some of these teams are good. Like there's a lot of good teams in the playoffs, the playoffs in baseball even expanded are pretty small also you're not getting like complete jokers thrown into the mix and i i think the unpredictability is something that should be celebrated because i think the flip side is gonna just play into the hands of the biggest markets the wealthiest owners and kind of narrow down to a very small number of franchises who get there every year like they generally get to punch their ticket not always plenty of big teams instead this year but i i think it's one of the the main things baseball has going for it that hey Diamondbacks fan, you can dream of your run uh, in any given year and just how quickly it could turn around as well. So I've noticed, I've observed, we haven't had a pod, a lot of the kind of agonizing and even borderline outrage. I'm like, I really don't think this is something that should lead to this. It's different to other sports, but it's not different to all sports in the US. Like, the Super Bowl winner can be pretty random. You know, that format allows for, for someone to really come through the field. I, I don't hear that kind of consternation all Hockey. that often. Florida Panthers certainly last it. year almost got it done. And yeah. the NBA has a format that is designed to avoid that. And even in that world, it can happen. The Bucks lost to the Heat in the first round last year. It's like, this is sports. And I, I don't know why anyone would see a result go one way and be like, oh, the format is broken. I'm not even... This wasn't fans. I saw plenty of articles, columns written on this, plenty of tweets fired off. I I just think it's a good thing. I think it's part of the shape of baseball. The toughest thing for me in baseball is the regular season so long, and then the playoffs, as they were for us, are so short. I I don't know how you remedy that. I, I think that's the one thing that if your regular season wasn't quite so long and you could have maybe a longer series from wildcard in, that might make for something that's better, that possibly eliminates some element of the randomness, but doesn't completely upend the shape of the game and try to favor one team over another. But yeah, I, I, I'm interested in your thoughts on all this because I just think it's it's kind of weird. I don't, I don't get it. My dog, uh, Chip, has just... Hopped a gate and busted through a door to come hang out with me he's, as I he's podcast. He's got thoughts so, on the playoff format. He must have thoughts. Anyway, uh, I agree with everything you're saying, and I'm going to say it in a harsher way at a moment, just because I've been thinking about this a lot lately. But first of all, that's at least in the modern era as we know it, the post wild card era, especially that this is what bay- our playoff baseball is set up to be: entertaining chaos potential. And if you want to have a 162-game season uh, reward the best team, then you can have a Premier League table, and then that makes the regular season experience kind of terrible for most of the teams because you don't even have the hope of getting into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. This is set up for entertainment value, and these playoffs have been incredibly incredibly entertaining. I've seen, yeah, like you said, media, some fans on Twitter complaining about it. 
if you're a fan on Twitter complaining about it, loser mindset. You're a loser. You made the playoffs. You won 104 games. Go out there and win your series. I know it's randomness and chaos, but you know what? The Phillies' big dogs came to play in the playoffs. So the Braves, you 104 win team, best WRC plus since the 27 Yankees. Sorry, you're watching the rest of the playoffs at home with me. If you let a team absolutely dominate you both mentally and physically, then you deserve to go home. And I don't care about your whining about the layoff or we had to wait so long. There's advantages to that too. You set up your pitching how you want. You let some injuries heal. Just so many losers whining about the format being the reason they're out when really it's, you know, the Dodgers were flawed all along with their pitching issues. Now they didn't hit Freddie Freeman and, and Mookie Betts uh, laid eggs in the playoffs. And that's a large reason why I, they didn't play well. Uh, but the Diamondbacks came into the playoffs, got hot and got rolling. The Phillies have done this two years in a row. Um, and yeah, shout out, shout out to them. Like that's that's instructive that they have a mindset that is cut out for this. Yeah, I mean, and you know, Adam, I was ready to get on board with your snake tober. I was gonna support the cause as well, but and I hate Philadelphia sports otherwise. Like uh now that I've embraced uh Bucks fandom, I think my real thought towards the Sixers is like the Mad Men meme where like I don't think about you at all, kind of a thing. Um, I don't really like the Eagles, but you know, these himbo vibes guys on the Phillies that you know, obviously, there's a reason why I feel such an affinity towards them is because they <laughs> slayed Darth Vader. But, you know, just seeing him in the clubhouse, changing the lyrics to Dixieland Delight and singing Dancing on My Own. Like, you know, they're, they're the likable group of guys. and But also, they're stars who perform in the playoffs. Bryce Harper turning into Babe Ruth. Trey Turner thinking it's the World Baseball Classic. Merrill Kelly also thinking it's the World Baseball Classic. He actually pitched fine, but still. Uh Four, four earned in five and two thirds. Still going to, you know, continue that bit uh, since he didn't necessarily hurt the Brewers. Nick Castellanos, a guy who the first year into that contract, uh, people were kind of concerned about it. And now he just can't stop hitting homers. So I think uh, a lot of it is randomness, luck uh, and all of that. But some of it is, you know, just Adam uh, having a winner's mindset and going out and taking the bull by the hordes. Do I believe that entirely? No, but a part of me does. A part of me believes that the Phillies have a winner's mindset and the Braves have a loser's mindset, but that's neither here nor there. I'm going to put my dog back. You talk. Yeah, I, I do think there is something to it, though. I, I don't think you can overlook the Phillies for what their regular season was, which was up and down, having got back to this point and looking well positioned to go even further this year. Like it's it's no small feat. In Major League Baseball, to to two years in a row achieve that level of excellence, put yourself in a position to go and win World Series. You just look, have to look at all the franchises spending all of the money to get there. I'm not like breaking out a tiny violin for the the Phillies and making them out to be paupers, as you just mentioned, like Bryce Harper, Trey Turner. Like, yeah, the Phillies are playing the same game as the other big dogs, just at the lower end of that scale they kind of just get on with it and they perform when it matters. And at a certain point, I think you've got to begrudgingly respect. You have to like them, but you've got to respect teams who do show up. And that's what they've got. It doesn't like, this isn't one in the regular season. It doesn't matter how many wins you manage to stack up. If you look like the greatest offense of all time, if you just scrape into the party, none of it matters. It's like, go and deliver when it's playoff time. And they do that. And that's something that I think we'll continue to reflect on. The Brewers are as good as they look to finish the season. It's two games. It's even easier for it to just go wrong for you in that small 
sample, but it did, and they didn't show up, and they didn't hit, and the pitching wasn't what it needed to be, and your season's over. And that's tough, but we talked even within that on individual players, like who's got big game playoff mindset, who doesn't? So I, I think all of that should kind of be applied, and it can't just be like, oh, you know, Basically, this doesn't reward what I've seen in standings all season. This is a mirror that this doesn't mesh with my models. Like, we got to throw the whole playoff system out. This isn't what it should be. That's not sports. Sports is that, you know, people react to pressure in different ways. And in the biggest moments, sometimes glorious, unpredictable things can happen. So I actually, it's one of those things, baseball is this kind of great romantic sport. I think the playoff structure kind of lends itself to that. And should be more embraced rather than people being like, why are the Braves out? It should be it should be like, Andrew, you'll know this, maybe some of our listeners will, but the way people still talk about upsets in the FA Cup, where it's like, oh, you know, the romance of the Cup. Like, embrace that. That's great. Oh, you think you can just go and kind of roll your way to a World Series because you won all season, Braves? Well, it doesn't work like that. You didn't show up when it mattered. Like, I, I think that's something that's pretty cool in its own right. And yeah, I've been... Somewhat surprised, but a little discouraged that the discourse around it, because I think it's it's part of it. Like I I get, as I said, I the Brewers having a two game playoffs after playing well all season, going through all those games, that feels off. I I still think there's room for formats to be tweaked, but I don't think anyone should be complaining. When you lose a series, you lose a series, and that's as simple as it can be. I'm fine with more baseball, Adam. My idea, my bold, insane idea was 577. I'm fine with 557. And I guess there's another seven added in there for the World Series. Um, but you know, that's fine. That's fine with me. Expand it and play more games. You know, that's more gate revenue. You got fans coming to the ballpark, except in uh St. Petersburg, Florida, where they don't show up for playoff mm-hmm. games. Uh, but that's neither here nor there as well. Um yeah, I've really been enjoying these playoffs. It, and it also should be said now they've been punched in the mouth in the first two games of the ALCS. But the Houston Astros, they had their break and their layoff, and they did what they always do, which is make an ALCS. Um, you'll know if they're down 3-0 or have come back to make it 2-1 by the time you're listening to this. But yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. Um, I don't weigh into too much discourse. So I, I you know, I wasn't given my uh, take on the timeline. The only take I gave on the timeline was about the... Uh, the uh, Jake Mintz reporting kerfuffle where everyone was freaking out about him, you know, reporting a thing that was actually said during media availability. How dare he? And I've mentioned Cespedes Family Barbecue uh, and their podcast on this podcast many a time. So maybe, again, that's why I'm biased uh, towards him in this situation. But I just thought it was an embarrassing response by a lot of media members and players uh, when that happened. And then um, some nice backtracking. I will say, because Jake was in the right the entire time. And uh, the Braves let it and Bryce Harper just, you know, completely dominate them and have them shrivel down uh, like a shrinking violet. Is that a thing? Uh, but yeah, I invite Certainly the chaos. You could have gone there, so I'm glad you did. Yeah, I'm reining it in. Um, it's been, you know, the time off allows my brain to curdle and uh, ferment a little more, so the takes... <laughs> come out a little spicier and a little uh a little sour but yeah I, lo- I i love the baseball playoffs i'm having a great time do i wish the brewers were still playing absolutely i do but one of these times where the brewers are the team that makes the hot run i'm gonna be excited about it and if there's a time like in 2021 in particular 
where they're a top seed that, that flames out, I'm not going to complain about the layoff or the format because we know what it is going in and you just have to accept that. Yeah, you complain I, about... I do hate the three games. Losers, still, but... the, tree, the three games I just think is is not great like from a fan perspective. That's that's my thing with that. But I guess then the more complaining people do about, oh, the, the top seeds having so much time off, the less likely it is that wildcard series get expanded and that break potentially gets even greater. So... <laughs> I guess that's part of the problem there. Um, this this is when you expand your playoffs and you have an odd number of teams. These are the problems you create for yourself. But um, yeah, I don't. I I don't. I'm excited to watch playoff baseball. I've been out of the country and I've been very busy, so I haven't had the chance to. But the discourse caught my eye. So glad we're on the same page on that to start with. Yeah. Um... I think we've got a, a lot of fun options. The Rangers, the team we didn't talk about, were a team that, you know, were one of those upset teams who came in and uh, knocked off Tampa in a couple games. Um, and then, who did they play in the division series? Why is my mind blanking on this? The Texas Rangers played the brain doesn't have it. Anyway, um, I'm sure I'll remember this at some point. Who was in the playoffs? Why is this happening? No, they. I don't know. Anyway, uh, do we want to talk about the the painful thing uh, that we have to talk about to kick off this podcast? Because you know, this is. I wish it could be all me yelling at uh, Braves Twitter users and Travis Darno, but we got to talk about sad things as well. We sure do. Let's let's get into it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. 
That's 60% off at babbel.com slash blue wire, spelled B A B B E L.com slash blue wire. Rules and restrictions apply. Um, let us get into it. It was the Orioles that the Rangers beat. Anyway, uh, the sad news is that uh, the shoulder injury that knocked Brandon Woodruff out of the 2023 playoffs is as bad as we feared. Uh, Woodruff has had to undergo surgery on that shoulder, and he projects to be out for most of, if not all, of 2024. Uh, I'd say this was probably a fear we had deep in our gut when talking about it initially, but uh, in the immediacy of all of that, uh, we were just focused on the playoffs. Uh, The surgery was to repair the anterior capsule in his right shoulder. And uh, I want to start by looking at this from a human point of view because after seeing the emotion that Woodruff shared during the press conference when they were announcing the initial injury uh, it just hits you like a ton of bricks because he clearly cares about this team this city about his own career and his performance and he based on the end of the regular season looked poised to really show out in the playoffs and now his season next year is in doubt uh, for sure, and you know, could end up being just completely wiped away. And what the next phase of his career looks like is uncertain. So I'm just coming at it very sad. Yeah, it's brutal. I mean, we we talked about uh, Woody's tears when when he did that very brief media availability when the news came out, and just so so tough to watch the guy that I think all Brewers fans really root for, and someone who's a real real favorite. Just seems like kind of salt of the earth, like good guy around the clubhouse. He and his wife have done so much good work around the city. And as you said, yeah, completely embraced the city and very much made it home. I think from where we were, we thought his big moment is really coming. He is going to be the ace on this team. Um, If he had got through the end of the season healthy, pitching like he was, I think regardless of how the playoffs went, he was probably looking at, the kind of big payday to uh, take him into his mid thirties that he'd earned. And I think the kind of thing that all these years, all that work that you're kind of banking on that when you've been as good as he has been. Now that's a big question mark. Uh, He may never pitch for the Brewers again. Like that's the very sad reality. We'll talk more about the ins and outs of that and um, how that, Probably won't be the case, but it's still possible. It's very much on the table. Just brutal, brutal news. I Honestly, I was not prepared for this. I was not prepared for all of next season. And the main reason for that was um, Matt Arnold's comments in, in the the press conference. He had put it down as that they were optimistic, that they were waiting for the second opinion to be sure, but they were feeling optimistic. So, I don't know. I don't believe unless i missed it which is possible so if you've got anything i don't have on any of this that i've missed over the last week please tell me um that kind of sounds like unless he just was really misleading everyone and trying to buy some time at his end of season media availability that they got a first opinion that they maybe weren't crazy about and said let's go get a second opinion and the second opinion in fact ended up much worse that's kind of what it feels like. Um, I don't know, but that's 
that it caught me a little bit off guard because he was talking about optimism. And then when the news comes out, it being as far from optimistic as you can possibly get. Yeah, I haven't seen anything else come out uh, on that. Uh, the, the reason for uh, me expecting it is just because, you know, I'm a complete pessimist when teams are talking sure. about injuries. So it's like that's just what I innately go uh, go to. Like I'm chicken little. The sky is falling. Just that's kind of. Uh, informs my sports fandom, so I, I didn't pick up anything beyond that uh, either. I don't know if we got anything more on that, or do we want to pivot to kind of another comment Matt Arnold made during that availability that now is under the microscope even more. Yeah, well, let's do that comment, and then I guess let's circle back to more general uh, starting pitching conversations then as, as a whole. Yeah, obviously the one certain thing that you and I have been talking about for a year now um, about the 2023-2024 offseason is that Corbin Burns was going to be traded as he enters his last year of arbitration. Um, Arnold at that press conference, before we knew that the optimism on Woodruff was uh, not going to end well, he said about Corbin Burns, we'll see how it plays out over the course of the offseason, but I would expect him to be here next year. We can never close the door on any conversations, as you guys know. That's just the reality of where we are. We know that he is a very, very valuable member of our franchise. And that was and remains a statement that keeps your cards close to your chest and tells the teams that want to trade for Corbin Burns that you're going to have to come out here and give us uh, you know, the offer we want. You know, we don't have to trade him. We might not trade him. Uh, that's how that statement read then. And it still reads that way now. But whereas my mind was 90-10, Corbin Burns was not going to be a Milwaukee Brewer in 2024. It's now probably closer to 60-40. There was another quote that Matt Arnold gave that I'd just like to draw some attention to on this, uh, which was, Corbin means a ton to what we've done here. He's been a warrior on the mound. He's the guy we wanted in the mound in game one. He's been the guy that we wanted in the mound in big games. I'm thrilled that he's here. Look, if Corbin Burns is back next year, I'm not going to be angry about Corbin Burns pitching. Like, I'm one of the best pitchers in the game. I do think, and we saw the evidence of it, and again, to go back to the conversation we were having earlier, I think a lot of that statement is just untrue. Now, I don't have a problem with Matt Arnold saying it, particularly after how things went down between Corbin and the organization in arbitration last year. Um, and I guess how Corbin felt slighted by not, not wrongfully to be clear. Um, some of the things the organization had said, this is very much the opposite of that. And I think it's a much better job of, you know, keeping all options open. I, I do think, think that, I, I think those things aren't true, though. Again, just circle. I don't think he's a warrior on the mound. He's not who I would <laughs> want on the mound in big games. And I would factor that into my decisions of this season because what is the ceiling of what you're doing overall and what you're going to do this season if you keep Corbin and his contract just winds down and he moves somewhere else in free agency versus if you get something back that could be of real value, real use to you and help you to build your next team. Um, 
I think in a year where you're very likely going to be without Brandon Woodruff for all of that, I actually, I see the value less. Like, if Woody's back and you're like, you know what, we've got some pieces or we can find some ways to do things and let's go one last rodeo with this group. And if we get the best Corbin Burns, the best Brandon Woodruff and the best Freddie Peralta, we're the best pitching staff in baseball and let's construct a team that hopefully gives us much more pop offensively. I I see that vision more than we're down kind of our second ace this year is going to be about kind of kind of patching things up and holding it together to some extent and making growth with our young players and our prospects, hopefully getting a couple of high impact signings or a nice trade. If that kind of comes along in that case, I'm just more inclined to be like, maybe get the move on that and get the extra asset or two that could be of real value to you. I see, I see your perspective and I don't think you're wrong in that it is more likely. I just don't think personally that it should be more likely. Uh, well, I, I think it's it's a case where to keep Corbin and let his contract wind down, you'd be doing it because you really feel like this is the year we're in a position to win it all and we're better off with Corbin Burns than we are with the prospects we get for that. Corbin Burns this season is going to bring us closer to a championship than the future we'd have with those prospects necessarily would. I don't think that's the case if Woody's out all or even most of the year and having to come back late. And in that case, I think I'd rather the prospects and rather be trying to build towards what's next. Well, I think we've seen what that looks like because uh, since Woody's been out better or for a decent chunk of two seasons now, and then you get to the playoffs and that's where not having him like really uh upended them because I think we feel a lot better about him going in game two in a must win and coming out there and just throwing seven shutout and then the bare minimum that you do on offense is enough to even the series and get you to a game three with uh Freddie on the mound um against uh American trader Merrill Kelly. Um but that's in the past. Um here's what I would do and I just I just wonder if a conservative approach is be will be where he leans. Um I I would approach this problem with volume. I would trade Corbin for as close to the pie in the sky package I had in my mind coming into the offseason anyway. This is a market where the top end starting pitchers on the free agent market are going to be Blake Snell, uh Marcus Stroman who has a 21 million dollar player option, but I, I imagine uh he'll test free agency. Uh, Aaron Nola for the Phillies and I think after they make their World Series run, Dave Dombrowski is going to give him the Chris Sale special. Um, and then he's going to give Zach Wheeler an extension, uh, to, and he's just gonna, that's what, that's what Dave Dombrowski does. So that's, that's what I'm expecting to happen there. And then Yoshinobu Yamamoto coming over from MPB, uh, Kershaw's available, but it's going to be, you know, retirement back to the Dodgers or Texas Rangers for him. That's pretty much what's been the last like few cycles of one year deals for him after seeing what the Diamondbacks did to him. I wonder if retirement might be the move there. Eduardo Rodriguez has an opt-out with the Tigers. I don't know if he's exercised that. Sonny Gray had a great year with the Twins. Hyunjin Ryu from the Blue Jays. So once you get past those top names, especially if my, you know, uh, Brian Windhorst predictions about Aaron Nola come true, uh, there are going to be teams that need starting pitching that don't end up with starting pitching in the free agent market and will be desperate for a Corbin Burns to t- type to lead their rotation. We've been talking about the Orioles for months because I just love the prospect packages that they could offer, and we'll talk about that later in the offseason. The they, Dodgers they obviously also can need... spare can spare the prospects, I think, is yes, key as well. Ex- 
exactly the glut of middle infield prospects they all can't play at the same time so good, good point there i i've made my affinity for jordan westberg known many times uh the dodgers um we saw kind of how their pitching was diminished towards the end of the season the red sox are have i think said they need two frontline starting pitchers so they're going to be in the mix you, you've got teams that are going to want to make this big move. I don't think you could ever count out the Mets, no matter what they say about their contention window. I don't think you can ever count out uh, this ver- <laughs> Excuse me, um, this version of the Padres. And even, uh, I was going to say even the Rangers, but I don't know about that. Um, they've got uh, the Grom. Uh, I, I don't know when his availability will be back, but maybe they've made their big pitching moves and they're like, yeah, we'll cool it for a bit. But the point being is there's going to be teams out there. I think you get the best package available that hopefully includes close to major league ready starting pitching, which you can see from the Orioles. If you can pry a DL hall uh, away from them, um, he got some time as a reliever in the playoffs and obviously one of those uh, middle of the infield prospects as well. Um, I think that's what you do. You approach it with volume. Then you also maybe trade for some, from some of your prospect depth to ad- address areas of weakness on the roster. Um, and then you promote guys from within it. Robert Gassard from day one needs to be in that starting rotation in the event that you trade Corbin. Uh, I think Aaron Ashby will be in the bullpen for most of the season, but he can be a guy that you kind of bridge together in like three inning starts with someone else when you need it. Um, do, you, do you think then, that because of the health and because we haven't seen him in so long, just that there's no chance they bring him back with a starter's workload? Is that? I, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. They, they had pivoted to like the the party line was he was a starter. And that was, and we we just kept talking about, yeah, he kind of feels like a reliever. Um, But the Brewers seemed to be committed. And even that contract was the reflection of it. That extension was, he's going to be one of our starters. I think we need to see it before I fully buy into it. And I would imagine the ramp up will be slow next year is my only, I, I can see him starting games by June. I mean, and if you've got a guy like Bryce Wilson in your bullpen, who can go multiple innings, it, having those five and dive four and two thirds guys, like we saw with Colin Ray a lot this year, uh, can be a thing that happens. Maybe you give Julio Tehran a minor league deal with an invite to spring training, see how that works out. Another guy that I'm really intrigued to see where he is by the middle of the season and, whether or not he can be an option in the rotation is Carlos Rodriguez. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, really exciting pitching prospect. Uh, Jansen Junk in his relief appearances in the season looked good. Uh, I wonder if that was because he was in relief and was able to, you know, get that fastball up into the high 90s. Uh, but I think you'd still trade Corbin. And I think you attack the problem with the volume. And if it doesn't work out and you're like a 82 win team, then, you know, you focus on the future. You got Chorio coming. You got Tyler Black. You got Brock Wilkin in the hopper. You got um, reasons to not make next year a all-in or bust season by keeping Corbin and not collecting the value on him. My concern is that they will not see it that way. When you say they, though, is that... I think a general manager would see it that way. I don't know. I would, yeah, I would understand ownership being like, no, no, we're not, we're not trading Corbin Burns in a year where we don't have Brandon Woodruff. Um, I think look, Matt Arnold I, sees it as, what's the value I'm getting back, and if I can yeah, get, of course, what I've that's his job. Value, then he'll do it. I think, I think he approaches it very pragmatically based on what we've seen. You've got to. I mean, you could be fired in two or three years if things aren't going well, and part of that would be, well, you didn't let me get a return out of Corbin Burns. Like, I, I think that's tough. I. I get why, from an ownership perspective, there'd be a reluctance to do that. The flip side of that is, you know, 
Jackson Cherryum might be the most exciting prospect in baseball. He's certainly in that conversation. Um, if he comes up and he hit the ground running, don't worry. You're going to have people in to, you know, buy your jerseys, fill your seats, all of that kind of thing too. And it's historically not something the Brewers have had a problem with. I think they could, they could rally and kind of weather that storm for a year if it was a down year performance wise, but there's still a lot of good on this roster, a lot of good coming true. And if you were to get into the mode of making that trade or even other trades, I think you'd have other good pieces come true as well. That should set them up to be like, not an embarrassment, not a joke of a team that no one's going to want to watch a team that should be competitive and competitive on the up. I, I think that's like, you're, you're coming from that kind of position of power where I do think there's enough here where it's not like, a complete kind of write-off of a season, but I don't necessarily think there's enough that they're positioned to go in the World Series next year. Now, the conversation we had at the start of the pod, anything is possible, but I just don't think you're giving yourself your best chance. We do seem to have moved away from Bites the Apple, possibly because they got roundly mocked for that and realized how unpopular that particular line was. We but... want to win the last game of the season, Adam. I, I really... I. There's not that much of a difference in that. They probably still want to give themselves as many chances as possible to win the last game of the season, Andrew. You, you can win the last game of the season without it being in the World Series, Adam. Just It's all a matter of perspective of when the last game is. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I think <laughs> they, should, they should trade him. Like, simple as they should. They should trade him. If they decide otherwise... I mean, we'll be watching Corbin Burns switch to Brewers for another year. It's not a great tragedy. But I do think I'd be a little bit disappointed in terms of building what's next. Because this should be an opportunity too. As you said, it's not necessarily like you're going to replace Corbin Burns with a Corbin Burns-like prospect. That is not at this point in his career, and at this point in his uh, contract, what's on the table. But the Brewers' position of weakness when it comes to their farm system is real high-end pitching prospects. So you got to give yourself as many bites at that as possible so if you can do a deal that gets you a really high quality if it's an infield prospect like you're talking about certainly i don't think they'd want it to be an outfield prospect we've got enough of those already and then a quality pitcher where you've got quite a few options there great like i'm on i'm on board with that and i think that sets you up that hopefully things pan out with your prospects part of this too like you should have some money to spend with the direction things are going. I know that still is all very relative here, but there are guys coming off your books that should create some opportunity for the Brewers to go and find some guys. I know that more likely is... I think the Contreras and Willie Adamas trades, like those acquisitions, Rowdy even, I guess, fits into that too, do probably make for the template of what the Brewers want to do, which is... Can we find value just, you know, off-season, mid-season with a trade, pick someone up, they hit the ground running, then it's possible that that's where extensions could come in. You keep someone around longer than that. Well, this might be the time again to explore some of that with this trade or with some of the other trade options on the table. I've got a, a favorite roll the dice, buy low, this could blow up in their faces or be great player, and I will save that for an off-season uh, podcast. We will um, probably do a full pod of like Corbin Burns trade ideas. I know that's been one that's been talked about in the Discord. 
um i believe a listener put together like some sort of manifesto that i actually did mean this time to go check out but i haven't had a chance yet so um i i think we'll we'll probably do that particularly around corman but maybe even some of the other trade candidates and just kind of have a look at what are the options what could the brewers be looking for the reality with all this though is i mean the Contreras trade is the best example of you're probably going to be blindsided by some of the things that could be available and maybe in like the best possible fashion. Yeah. And that's why I would be comfortable still with that Corman trade and would be pushing for it because I trust Matt Arnold's trade acumen from what we've seen in his uh, couple of years, even like even the failed one I was fine with like Colton Wong for Jesse Winker was a perfectly fine risk to take in my mind. Um, I think, yeah, so if Corbin's back next year, I, I agree with you. I'm not going to be, like, pounding this desk, yelling about things. You know, I think a brewer team with Corbin Burns on it is better than one without it. But also, you need to be looking to continuing to do what you do, which is accumulate assets and players uh, to make your team better in the future, especially if the Woody injury, like, really dampens what 2024 could be. Uh, with Woody, I don't think we spoke about this, but I think you and I are on the same page in that what we would hope would happen there and what we would do there is the uh, the two-year deal to mm-hmm. push back his free agency uh, rather than the non-tender. Like, I feel like, uh, I mean, baseball's a ruthless sport. We talked about this. We talked about uh, <laughs> Tehran being DFA'd late in the season. I think at our earlier episode, I talked about uh, when... Charlie Culberson got DFA'd for the Braves on the weekend. His dad was supposed to throw out the Father's Day first pitch or whatever it is. <laughs> this is a ruthless sport. Uh, but with Woody, we would like to, you know, see if uh, he can come back healthy, uh, even if it is a, a scary proposition. I think uh, probably owe it to him, considering the kind of guy he's been for this organization. Uh, it also, look, it could be your game changer. He gets healthy and you keep him around. You have the option and you're like, you know what? We feel like he still has it. He looks healthy. He's better than ever. Let's do a longer term deal. And then, you know, you may have come out of the Corbin deal, for example, with a young pitcher that's panning out. Robert Gasser could take a step forward and you've got a Brandon Woodruff to to still be at the very forefront of what you're doing into the kind of latter stages of his career. That like that, that's a great recipe for success for the next version of the Brewers, too. So I just think that makes a lot of sense. And that's kind of it's buying yourself a a pretty low odds lottery ticket. I don't think the the cost is not something that would bother me there. I think it's worthwhile doing that to just, you know, cut ties there completely at this point would be uh, borderline insane, I think, for a pitcher of that caliber. Yeah, I, it didn't take until one week into the offseason, Adam, for uh, the cruel realities of baseball and the ex- existence of shoulders to kick me in the stomach and then uh, make me question everything I thought was going to be true about the 2024 Brewers offseason. But we'll talk about that. We'll talk about free agency. We'll talk about trades. We'll talk about grades at a later date. But for now, we will continue focusing on the now. Where do you want to pivot to now, Adam? Maybe the uh, Gold Glove finalists being announced? I was going to say uh, maybe the manager, first of all. Let's, oh, yes. Uh, yeah, let's, that's, let's, I guess, let's the other that. big thing. We had Matt Arnold talk a little bit about Essentially, there being no urgency to uh, the timetable with Craig Council, no pressure. You know, everyone's just gonna kind of let that sit, see how everyone feels. Brewers would love to have him back, and uh, I 
believe today as we record this now that we have uh, am I going to say reporting, speculation, whatever it might be, we have some more on Craig Council. I've got it up. New York Post, John Heyman. And uh, <laughs> like, he's just so good at being like, I wrote this whole article and I told you nothing. I, it's it's like me being like, oh, I would trade Burns, but maybe they won't. And you know what? We'd live with that and be okay. Except John Heyman approaches his reporting to that. So, uh, uh, I guess his uh, prevailing thought in this article is that some NL executives are starting to think counsel to the Mets may really be a thing. Quoting now, one NL executive opined, if he was going to stay, they'd have already signed him. But others aren't so sure. Counsel is believed to be one of the only 30 managers who lives year-round in the city he manages. So there's a definite home field advantage for Milwaukee. Uh, he says someone connected... Uh, to the Brewers said he believes council will stay if he's paid what he believes is fair. So it could go either way. Great. You're telling us he could be a Brewers manager or not. You've said nothing. I knew that last week. I knew it <laughs> in June. I knew it in January. Go on, Adam. I'm sorry. What he does say, and I think it's one of the only things in there, which is he kind of puts something of a price on it, which is that there's a belief that the Mets would be prepared to double his current $3.5 million salary, uh, which if that's the case, and financially we're putting $7 million on it. Brewers possibly still get a, a hometown discount on that. Um, but it, I mean, it does seem, and I think it's perfectly fair at this point, that council is like, yeah, I'm happy to be here. I want to be here. I would like to be paid closer to in line with my status as uh, the longest serving manager in the National League, right? Uh, I believe that's right. That sounds right. Um, no one's springing and, to mind. I'm one of the best in the game. So I think that's fair. I think Craig Council is probably the Brewers manager next year if Adonazio pays him five, six million dollars a year. And I think yeah. that is not an unreasonable ask. And it's something that we haven't always been the most devout disciples of the Church of Craig. Um, but... We show up every we, Sunday. We do. We we certainly have come around to the fact that, yeah, you know, you put all these guys together, he's one of the better ones. For what the difference in salary could be, for what you may end up letting him walk over if you were to kind of haggle over that, that could be a very small amount of money that could cost you a hell of a lot of wins over a long period of time if you end up getting someone who isn't right for the job. So there's a real security there. I think there's plenty of reason for him to want to continue with this. We know the family reasons, which may just play into his decision on all fronts where he might decide to do something different. But I think pay the man kind of what he's earned, what his legacy certainly deserves. And I would say he will be the Brewers manager again for a number of years to come. Yeah, we're on the same page. Pay him what he's worth and i think he he should totally evaluate all his options and ask for that i think it's i'll be harsher i think it's a really bad look if he goes to the mets for the brewers organization um because i think the that's implication... true i will talk about it if he, if it if he goes somewhere else and the, the thing comes down to you know there was a squabble over a million dollars you and i will be apoplectic like it's just because yeah. of what that's representative of everything. I also, like, let's be honest, and we'll probably talk about this briefly in a little while too, when you're in the middle of an ongoing funding thing for your stadium, 
and you've got the hometown kid, the hometown hero, who's your manager, who's like the face of all of this. If you're going to lose him over a small amount of money while putting your hand out to state and city for money to renovate your stadium, uh, that just seems kind of untenable from an optics perspective. I mean, the Brewers might, I might be daring them to just to go and do something there, but I, I really don't think you can get away with that. Yeah, I, I agree completely. If, if it's okay, I want to be a baseball dad. Um, I want to be at home with my family kind of a thing, travel around, watch a bunch of big 10 baseball. Totally like that's fine. If that happens, Brewers organization, you've done nothing wrong. Uh, like this guy just needs a break. If he goes to the Mets, then we're, then we're having those off season podcasts where, you know, uh, I'm over caffeinated and, and things are just, are just happening. Um, yeah, was there anything else on that, or should we move on to more ranting? I mean, let's just keep the rants falling. All right, Adam. Uh, as I get my tabs collected, I've talked about uh, loser mindsets already. I've talked about having that dog in you, and now it's time to talk about uh, Gold Glove finalists, uh, which were announced today, and I don't know if you start, know start this, with Adam. the start with the good news. Start with the good news. Okay. The, the good news is a uh, Carlos Santana, notable uh, trade pickup by Matt Arnold in the middle of the season, who came in and hit some homers, played some good defense at first base, and overall just seemed to be a great fit in the clubhouse and a great guy to have around. Uh, Carlos Santana is a finalist at first base in the National League, um, along with Christian Walker and Freddie Freeman. Um, Brewers, as you know, Adam, were the best uh, defensive team in baseball. Any kind of time a broadcast was on, especially during the playoffs, you know, guys that don't see the team every day, they would comment on, you know, his best def- uh, defensive team in baseball, pitching and defense, and that defense helped win them a lot of games. That being said, Santana was the only finalist for the Brewers. Um, I think you can make make a case for Bryce Terang. You can make a t- case for Willie Adamas. You could definitely make a case for William Contreras. Um, I'm outraged. I'm flummoxed. And uh, someone needs to be held accountable. I think Bryce Harang is the really the most egregious. I I saw something somewhere. There's one particular metric, maybe a fine graphs metric, that does not like Bryce Harang. Um, uh, yeah, there are a couple of defensive runs. Or no, I think it was outs above average. Where defensive Tarang... run saved, he's number one in baseball, yeah. I believe. Certainly in the National outs- League. Outs above average has him like, I think, neutral or slightly below average. Uh, defensive run save has him pretty high up there. Obviously, defensive metrics are very much, I think, still a work in progress uh, for evaluating defense. Obviously, if the number is extreme in one other direction, that's probably a good indicator of like that player's defensive quality. But pairing the defensive metrics with what we see with our eyes, it's clear Bryce Terang is a elite defender at second base. It's clear that Willie Adamas is an elite defender at shortstop. And all the pinch framing data and <laughs> anecdotal conversation we have about William Contreras has shown that he has turned into an elite catcher. So I think those three snubs are just, uh, they're, uh, they're making me angry. These pretzels are making me thirsty. Sorry, I cut you off. Apologies. No, I just I, I think it feels like name value just counts for way too much here. And I guess part of that is just um hey, what do you, are you what is the voting process for this? Who exactly is putting this together? 
you know? Um, Not to put see. you on the spot. I'm assuming this is like an yeah, equivalent to an NBA award scenario too. And I know baseball historically has even messier, you know, uh, issues when it comes to balloting, particularly around Hall of Fame. But I, uh, I got a lot of goodwill uh, from Philadelphia earlier. Uh, I want to squash that by saying Joel Embiid fraudulent MVP. Continue. Well, I one thing that I remember from this is that last year Christian Yelich was a finalist when he played really bad defense, and dare I say. This year, maybe he was deserving of being in the mix. Um, Ian Happ, David the, Peralta, Eddie the Rosario are, are the left field finals in the National League. Look, um, he's, he might just be on the outside, but more in the mix than he was when he was a finalist a year ago. Um, but just when you go through the list, generally it does feel like name value or what you have done counts for more than what you are maybe doing. And Outside of people watching Brewers games, Bryce Terang probably has next to zero name value right now. And even someone like William Contreras. Um, what's the what's the book that was written on William Contreras? It's Bad Defender. <laughs> that's that's the reputation he came to the Brewers with. And as people really kind of were paying attention or dived in, they won't they won't be on top of just how good he was for the Brewers. Um, so it to me, at a glimpse, it feels like. History and reputation certainly counts for a lot. So right now, uh, the 30 MLB managers and up to six coaches from each team vote from a pool of players in their league, excluding players from their own team. These votes comprise 75% of the selection total with the Sabre defensive index counting for the other 25%. So that's what I'm reading here from MLB's website. Um, The old joke back in the day was, and I guess in some cases can still apply here, which is like, oh, he didn't hit enough to be in the gold glove conversation, like part of that name value yeah, recognition sure. that you you bring up. Damn it, William Contreras hit enough to be in this conversation. <laughs> I just wanted to rant, so I'm glad this came out today. It's just helping me get things off my chest. I respect nobody. <laughs> Do we want to move on to the latest arena update, I guess, for the, the last part of this? Uh, Yeah, we can do that. Uh. I've I've got it here. I mean, if oh, you... perfect. You you go through it. I've I'm I'm tabbed out anyway. So on Tuesday, the funding package in its current form, its current form, because it may need some further changes for the next stage of the process. Um, but got approval through the Wisconsin State Assembly by sixty nine votes to twenty seven. It was supported. This is a $546 million package with $411 million from the state, $135 from Milwaukee County and the city of Milwaukee, which will be paid over 30 years, keeping the brewers in Wisconsin true at least 2050. And of course, just as a, you know, it's a little treat, Andrew. Um, the brewers, owned by Mark Adnazio, will provide $100 million of their own money towards, you know, the works required for the stadium. Um, this is a big hurdle. Probably not the biggest hurdle. I believe State Senate is next. And all kind of commentary and consensus is that this deal is probably going to need to be reworked in terms of some of its payment terms and the exact divides when it gets to that part of the process. Still, every hurdle passed is a good thing. Um, We're not saying that to cheerlead the brewers and really franchises all across American sports going and putting their hand out and taking state and public money to build or renovate their arenas. Um, But more so from our perspective, 
we're a step closer to the Brewers staying in Milwaukee for the long term, which is something that, uh, frankly, it's bullshit that it's in doubt here and really should never be in doubt. Uh, can I read some like just comments that amused me? Um, so, so obviously, uh, part of this deal is to winterize the stadium or po- the possibility of winterizing the stadium. And uh, Donna Roser, Rosar, don't know how her name's pronounced. She's a Republican, so I don't really care that much. Um, uh, mentioned, you know, the economic activity sparked by the Taylor Swift Eras Tour. Uh, so she's coming at it from that angle. Uh, this one was one that like spoke to me. Sorry, what? Uh, I'm not. I'm not with that one. The Taylor Swift what? Eras Tour has. That's like the. Milwaukee is missing out on this revenue. Is this the? Yeah, that's that's her take. That would have been the entire deal. She knows that doesn't happen every day. Um... <laughs> it's an annual event. <laughs> Taylor Swift Euro Store. Uh, the one that uh, that like hit me in my socialist liberal soul that I really identified with was uh, Rep Supreme Moore Omakunde. Uh, it appears to me that we can't help the average person in the state of Wisconsin, whether it be healthcare, whether it be housing, whether it be a plethora of issues, but we will move heaven and earth to make sure billionaires get what they want. And now I need to, there's one issue with this statement, Adam, we're helping hundred millionaires get what they want in this scenario, but the <laughs> meat, the meat of what he said, it just aligns with me philosophically and uh, politically. I mean, that's what this boils down to, which is, these teams in whatever city, I mean, in this specific case, we're talking about the Brewers and we're talking about Milwaukee and we're talking about Wisconsin, but they do offer significant revenue, significant value and significant attention to the regions they're in. They offer meaningful employment for lots of employees in that area. And that almost gives them leverage and the ability to blackmail once they get in so that the public money is going to come and prevent them from having to go further. All this is one thing. I've said it before. I'll say it again. You, if you're getting the money, you got you better be spending it in other ways. Like you better be backing this up. Craig Council, I think, is a really good example of this. If this is going to go true, and the Brewers are going to give a hundred million towards this, that's great. Pay your manager. Pay a manager who's beloved, kind of within within the city, within the state, and keep this as a really competitive baseball team because that's that's the next stage of like. It never it never factors into any of these conversations is like what is the product actually going to be? You can talk about it in like these kind of vague general terms about what the brewers means. Part of what the brewers mean is, you know, they've been really competitive for quite some time. That's what drives the interest, that's what drives the revenue, that's what fills up the ballpark. Gotta keep that going. And that's where I think uh someone I, I haven't read true. Maybe maybe some people have. There should be some level of questioning, though, over just okay. So, what are the what are the Brewers' commitments? And this could be I'm I'm not talking roster or like it could be even in terms of Brewers' community initiatives and ways that they're going to spend further in that regard. But what are like what are the Brewers' commitments to upholding their end of this bargain, to making themselves a more integral piece of life in Milwaukee, of life in Wisconsin? And that could be based on the performance of the team and how good the team's going to be, or it could be based on what they plan to do 
to play their part in giving back to the people whose tax money is supporting them. Did you already read that aspect of the bill? Because I want a little more than what it's promising. Okay, cool. Uh, nope. The plan includes a requirement that the team designate one home game per month from April through September as a discount uh, ticket day for all Wisconsin oh, I, revenue. I, I, I saw that one. I saw that one. And, and an increase from 20000 to 40000 the team is required to donate annually to youth sports organizations. I want that in the six figures. I want that bumped up. Uh, I'm, I'm going to need more there. Also, it's... You can debate whether it's a good thing or a bad thing that uh, once we started this podcast, I did not make an attempt to get into uh, local Wisconsin politics is I would almost certainly my portion of the bill would have included trade suggestions that I have uh, for the team and that they, you know, pursue them to the fullest extent possible. Um, So it's it's a a good thing that um, I'm sitting here talking to you because, you know, who would want that? I mean, I think I would and all of our listeners would love you to be standing up in Wisconsin State Assembly demanding of Rich Schlesinger that, you know, he brings back a return that looks like this. Pass and the I word on to Matt Arnold and Mark. Uh, aforementioned listener, you know, I'll have that PDF in my pocket. I will read it out on the floor as the deliberations are happening. And, you know, I'm, I'm a man of the people, uh, first and foremost. Nobody could ever deny that, Andrew. And a full-on Bucks fan now. Anyone that was uh, ever, you know, that was listening to me make jokes and references to that, you know, I'm done with the Charlotte Hornets. They've taken it a step too far. They're a scumbag organization, and I can't stand for it. Literally, it's not even. It's not even in a kind of you know descriptive fashion. You're not going overboard. You've had enough of team crime. Switch. Who could, who could fight issues with that? I Ty was talking about in the Discord today, wondering if you know the brew or the Bucks could really be in for Kai Jones, and I almost put that my theory is the Hornets are waiting for him to commit an actual crime, and then they'll resign him. Uh, that's kind of what I think they're going for. Yeah, he was cut for you know not working hard enough, which in the Hornets world is committing crimes. All right, that is certainly enough on the Charlotte Hornets for this podcast. As always, thanks to all of you for listening. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. It's Cruising for Bruising. We'll be talking brewers throughout the offseason. Um, as Andrew alluded to, we'll have all sorts of offseason content coming up. Uh, we'll work out. Maybe we do a mailbag pod sometime soon where we can reflect on the season. Um, I, that, that might be one we'll, we'll call for questions on our Twitter. You can send them to us in the Discord as well. So I'd say... That could be our next episode if there's the interest. So if you've got questions for us, if you're a listener, go to Cruising for Bruising Twitter. Um, hit us up in the Bruising Buddies channel in the Discord. Send us your questions. We'll do a mailbag next. Otherwise, we'll have all kinds of, you know, review podcasts, position by position. Um, I'm sure we'll reflect again on the Master Brewer leaderboard for the year. We'll look at all kinds of trade prospects. Um, we'll look at all kind of prospects I think it's probably specifically a who's on the up conversation to be had in that regard lots of good brewers talk to come in the months ahead so make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode prospect lists just beam straight to my brain now they don't I don't even have to look at the articles just after last January they're just in there you should also check out the rest of GSPN pods 
Eurostep Podcast Network, the main feed for all things Milwaukee books. Book season about to get underway. Damian Lillard joining up with Giannis, Chris, Brooke, and Co. It's going to be a big year. Subscribe to the main feed, Eurostep Podcast Network. You'll hear from Ty and Rowan on the Eurostep, and you'll hear from myself and Jordan Tresky on Winning Six. You'll also hear from us in combinations crossed over. You should also check out Talk of the Tundra for all things Green Bay Packers. Numak and Jordan have you covered there. And for movies, pop culture, for all kinds of other stuff. Make time for this. That's real here. More from Andrew and I. Um, we're, we're about to record an episode of Concert Films. That will be there. And then next week we'll be talking to Killers of the Flyer Moon, the new film from Martin Scorsese. So, good things coming over there. Once again, thank you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.